This podcast is for CAD managers in their pursuit for the perfect set of plans. Each week, we'll be doing deep dives into what CAD managers deal with every day as they manage and mentor their CAD team, build and enforce standards, develop best practices, and provide leadership and vision in the implementation of new technologies. With an extensive career as a CAD manager, I'm here to confess all my lessons learned, strategies, and all my project delivery secrets. If this sounds like the right place for you, then let's get started. I'm your host, Eric DeLeon, and welcome to the CAD Manager Confessions Podcast. Again, welcome to another episode of the CAD Manager Confessions Podcast. I can't even explain how excited I am to be behind the mic after my, my hiatus. If you are curious what's going on with that and why the hiatus, go back and check out episode 35 titled, I'm Back. In this episode, I'm kicking off the next masterclass series by interviewing another fellow CAD professional. Today, I'd like to introduce my, my next pos- podcast guest. Man, you can tell it's been a while. Uh, I need to get that off the tongue. Uh, Daniel Lynch is from the Houston, Texas area. Daniel is, is a part of the CAD management team. He's an associate w- with Walter P. Moore. So let's welcome Daniel to the podcast. Hey Eric, I appreciate it. It's good to good to hear your voice again on these. Yeah, for sure, man, for sure. And again, thank you for reaching out. You know, um, it's always interesting when I do the the call to action um, of like, hey, I'm looking for new guests, and um, it's just always interesting to for the folks who decide to step up, which I'm very grateful for, uh, because again, um, the one of my one of my goals is to share the stories and experiences of other CAD professionals. So that way folks like myself and the others who are a few steps before us, behind us, besides us, next to us um, can hear it because, and I think I've said this, if you've listened to this podcast, I've said it several times is that we may walk in the same shoes, but all of our stories are different, which is why I'm excited to um, have you Daniel on here and the others um, after you. Well, you, you are so right about that. All of our stories are are different. Um, I mean, I am so grateful for this opportunity. I'm so grateful for the people that have come before us. And um, to be counted as a CAD professional alongside them is, it, it's it's fantastic. The, the biggest thing in my, it most recently has been um, gaining or regaining a voice in this community. The you talk about how good it is to be back behind the mic. It's it's good to be back uh, and 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 sharing information and sharing knowledge. And I have to say a big thank you to Todd Rogers for encouraging that uh, to happen. He has been a very um, good asset in my life to to get me to 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 be more vocal about my experiences. I've had some I've had some experiences in the past that were kind of not really focused on sharing knowledge because the the those area the, or those uh, environments considered information as IP and and protected and uh you get in you get used to that and you you kind of hide the information because you you perceive a value of it to the company alone and that is absolute ignorance to think that not sharing knowledge will help you it is it is by sharing knowledge that we all grow and we can all uh, gain new experiences and make and create new networks. And like you were saying with the call to action, uh, this is, it's so just, it's so good. Thank you, Eric. Yeah, yeah, no problem, man. And again, thank you for being here. And let me, 
let me spin off of that real quick. I, I do agree with you. And it's almost, it's almost, and I think I like to say that a lot of the mentality around this, we need to keep all of the information in order for, you know, to ourselves in order to give um, a competitive advantage or, you know, I mean, I get it, especially when it comes to specific IP um, and IP content. But at the end, of, but the end of the day, though, but because I've lived that right. So at the end of the day, that really does more harm than good, especially because that mentality ends up going through um, the company. And, you know, I've, I've worked with several, I like to say, you know, um, veterans within the CAD profession, and they didn't like to share. They felt very threatened when, you know, like myself being an up-and-comer back in the day, um, they didn't want, you know, it was, it was about that tough love. You're going to have to learn the hard way. <laughs> but, you know, end of the day, you know, it's, it's folks like you and I that, you know, I have a huge, and again, I like to say that that my guests that are on my podcast, um, we share a similar, we share a similar, um, uh, what's, I'm sorry, I'm trying to think of the right word here. Um, passion. I guess, yeah, I guess similar passion. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Um, to just be, a, just to want to contribute to others and helping others and, you know, knowing that, um, that we're not doing ourselves, our company, the industry, any any justice by hogging the information. I mean, how are we supposed to leave a legacy and teach the next the next group of cat professionals behind us? And so, so real quick before we get into things, um, so uh, Daniel mentioned Todd Rogers. So for those of you who may not know um, Todd Rogers, Todd Rogers is actually a part of a podcast, um, one of my BIM manager master classes. So go back through, look at some old episodes. I don't have the exact one that he was on, but also Todd Rogers and I, so Todd is, he's one of the, I like to say the, one of the OGs when it comes to like BIM CAD manager type of roles. Um, this dude's amazing. And um, so Todd and I both um, sit on the board of directors for Augie, um, if you want to be a member augie.com to learn more um, and he's also the um, editor-in-chief for augie world of magazine so um, look him up look him up tell him that daniel and eric sent you his way on linkedin um great I guy love todd yeah, he's he's a good dude he i've known him for almost 15 plus years he was the one i had i was working at a company and the reseller the autodesk reseller we were uh, we, we were assigned to, or we were contracted with, was um, where Todd was working. And being a CAD manager at that company, I was constantly trying to break things as CAD managers do. And when that happened, I he, he was the only one that could even attempt an answer. And he'll tell you the same thing. He's like, oh boy, when Daniel called me up, I just picked the phone. When Daniel called that company, he just picked up the phone. He's like, what do you need now? Like, what, <laughs> what did you do now? And it's like, oh yeah. boy, I got a big one. Cause you know what I'm calling? It's going to be, it's not like my mouse is not working. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Todd's a good guy. Sometimes some people see people, certain people calling and they'd be like, uh, send them to voicemail. <laughs> anyway, so Daniel, let's kick this off, man. I, I, I can't wait to hear um, sure. a little bit about your story. So um, so where do you work? How long have you been there? And what do you do? Right. So I'm currently at Walter P. Moore out of Houston. Uh, Walter P. Moore is an international company. There's offices all over the country and, uh, and in India. They... Um, do a, a lot of high impact uh, projects. One of the biggest ones uh, local to me is the uh, Minime Park roof, the structural on this ginormous sliding roof. And also out in uh, the east or the west coast, sorry, the uh, SoFi Stadium. That's a big deal. But we work with all the large 
all the large companies, I'll say. <laughs> As I think that's all I can say. And it's it's been a really interesting and and grateful and grateful time at the company. I've been there since uh, 2019. And I was hired on as a senior designer in the firm and uh, brought on to also take a hard look at the workflows and processes of the CAD users uh, and the and and tweak them to to make them more or as optimized as possible by doing things like implementing a network tool palette, uh, a lot of automated scripts. So I've completely revamped the startup procedure for Autodet for all of our Autocad products. Um, so for instance, if you have a new release, you just, you install it and then change two things on the, on the settings. And then the user is up to up and running. It's all integrated in, into the, into the company's standards. Um, so I manage all the templates. I manage all the pipe networks. I manage the tool palette. Um, and all the list routines, and I'm sure there's some other things I do. I mentor as much as possible. I'm passionate, very passionate about corridors and grading. That's my specialty. And, and just search for any learning opportunity to give or to be had that there is. Nice. Sounds like uh, very similar to kind of what I do and also. So with that said, it's probably never a boring day at the office. Lots to do, right? <laughs> I'm I can find something most days. <laughs> yeah. So how long have you been? How long have you been in in this CAD management? I know not just there, but in general. How many right. years of CAD management have you been exposed or experienced in? More more than two decades at this point. Okay. It's it, it's been a really fun ride. It's been a really really fun ride. I'm I'm so grateful. You'll hear me say you'll hear me express gratitude all the time, and it's it's not lost on me. The ability to utilize my level of geek to 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 learn and share is just it just tickles me. It's just so fun, and I love seeing people when they get it. I love it when. <laughs> You're working through a new concept with somebody and all of a sudden it's like there's that pause and there's that moment where you can see them like integrate all that knowledge that they've been learning over the past weeks or whatever and they're like oh my gosh and then they ask a really interesting question and you're like congratulations <laughs> you've just <laughs> unlocked a new skill so it, it's it's super fun I'm, I'm so happy to be here Nice. Now, okay, so this is probably my favorite question, because again, when when I say we walk, we all walk in the same shoes, but the journey is different. This is the question that really solidifies that. And interviewing all the people that I've interviewed, um, again, I'm blessed because one, um, to be honest, I've said this before too. This podcast, you know, uh, kind of selfish. I, I want to learn from the best as well, and I get the front row seat to some amazing professionals like you and the others before, before you and after you. Uh, so again, I'm going to answer my question. My question is, what is your CAD origin story? Oh boy, I'm going to go way back in time for this and hit a couple of key points uh, because I, th I think it's pretty interesting. That sounds great. I will. I will say that in order to gain a wide library of skill sets, you can't just focus on one discipline. Um, so mine goes, mine starts in high school when I, when I started going to a technical school uh, for uh, cabinet making and fine woodworking. I've been in a shop my entire life since I was like two or one actually. And, you know, the, the traditional learning path didn't really, it wasn't doing it for me. I, I didn't, I wasn't really gonna be going to college. I could tell that. So I was like, I'm gonna learn a trade and and get on with it, start, start making money. And I learned pretty quick that I could, that I could get people to pay me to learn. So that was 
early on a very valuable lesson. Um, after the after I did cabinets for a couple of years, I got a job at actually it wasn't even a couple of years. I was 18 working at a company that created museum exhibits. They we built exhibits that go inside of visitor centers uh, that go in like info um, installations that go inside of airports, places or, or dioramas, life-size dioramas that are have giant fake cypress trees and taxidermy animals of native Florida wildlife and habitats and, and osprey. And it was such an amazing uh, opportunity to, to learn all kinds of materials and, and methods. And then from that, I moved to California and actually, I'm sorry, I, I went from, from that job to the Museum of Florida History. I was actually an artisan in the Museum of Florida History for a little bit. That was a fantastic place. It's like night, night at the museum, but every day you can. Uh, that's nice. That's crazy. It was really cool. I would go in and open the shop, open up the museum. I'd be the first one in the museum and I'd be in, and I'd be the last one in the museum every day. And from that, I went to uh, California and started working at an extremely high-end cabinet shop. I mean, we're, the kitchens, just the kitchen alone was $150,000 for these, for these places. This is back in 2000. And it was at that company that I was introduced to AutoCAD. We were using, it was myself and the owner. And it was a, we were a full-blown cabinet shop. We had three computer control machines. We had a, a beam saw, which is cuts a lot of wood at once. And we had a, a CNC, a large CNC. We had a uh, giant spray booth and we turned out some really amazing things. And a lot of that stuff was real custom, real clever and designed on AutoCAD. And I was just learning that when we moved to Southern California. From that, I got to apply it a little bit more in some other cabinet companies, uh, but it wasn't really making me, it wasn't really getting me excited. And one day uh, I was dog sitting for somebody down in Corona Del Mar and they mentioned, uh, oh, it's uh, Kelly, Marty and Kelly Agari. Um, give them a shout out for, this is, I wouldn't, this wouldn't be possible without them, but I was dog sitting and they just came home from the, their vacation and said, hey, are you looking for a job? I'm like, what, what do you mean? Am I looking for a job? Maybe. And they said, uh, it's in civil engineering. I said, well, I don't know anything about civil engineering. I'm a cabinet maker. What is, they said, can you draw a line and a circle in AutoCAD? I'm like, yeah, anybody can do that. It's real easy. They said, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Everything, it's easy. I'm like, okay, whatever. So I started at a, a civil engineering company as a survey liaison. And I saw all the drawings that left the building that went out to the survey crews. I saw all the points that came in from the survey crews. It was about 15 crews. So what I would do is calculate points on drawings all day long, every day for three years and send it out to the survey crews, talk to the survey crews throughout the day, do whatever they needed I got for them. If it meant calling out points over the phone or driving out to the job site with new plans, I was the guy. I also bring the points back in, recreate the existing or recreate their observations. So make a topo file, make the natural ground, whatever, and give that to the engineers. And so there's a lot of really good learning opportunities in that process. You see, you're the last one to see it. You're the first one to see it. Um, and it was that time that Civil 3D came out as a, as a free preview product to land desktop. It's back in 2004. And I was tasked with learning the program and starting to develop it for the company. They picked me because I was, I'm a geek and they knew it. And I was doing all their server maintenance in-house. And I, that was my first exposure to Civil 3D. Moved to College Station and got a job 
migrating an engineering firm from land desktop to civil 3d because that's just what i had done and that is right right when i started doing that was when i could first start calling myself a cab manager i believe from that i went to uh, another company gessner engineering in college station we did the same thing cab management and brought on a uh, drone program so we did aerial surveying photogrammetry and, and all kinds of other fun stuff and and then I started at Walter P. Moore in 2019. But I will always love my job at the museum. I hope they would take me back one day. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. So you said a couple of things that I, I'm a firm believer on, um, or I guess the, uh, yeah, firm believer, is that one is, um, I believe, and again, I'm biased, I believe being a CAD professional or being in CAD technologies, BIM technologies, is one of probably the best jobs you can have because it crosses over CAD, BIM, the software can cross over so many different industries. And when you do that, and like you said, right, I mean, um, to kind of get where you're at, you have to kind of learn different things or more than just one thing, right? I call it cross, being cross-trained, right? right? And when you do that, you become, and I think that's been, to be honest, a one of my secret weapons or the thing that helped me um, to the levels that I've risen within these quote unquote corporate ranks was the ability to put myself through suffering of learning, you know, different client standards. I think throughout my career, you know, I, I was an industrial designer doing industrial design using Inventor, um, you know, bridge plans, roadway plans, survey plans, rail plans, um, light rail plans. Um, you know, doing, this is doing all sorts of different things. And so, but it was very easy to pivot because the foundation of it was CAD, whether or not mm -hmm. it's AutoCAD, Civil 3D, MicroStation, Revit, right? Um, you know, my boys listening who do SolidWorks and Inventor <laughs> and things like that, right? I mean, it's just incredible. Um, the, just the opportunities that come with knowing the program at, at the fundamental foundational stages right i mean i had a i had a graphical bbs when i was 13 i learned dos when i was thir 12 and 13 it's like those are the core um that it's the foundation for modern computers and you know there's something to be said about starting that and doing your time and, and getting in the, in the weeds um also learning multiple things like that it it exercises your brain so that you're able to learn new things faster and also why not learn multiple different <laughs> objects it's like a mechanic yeah. with a that only has one screwdriver yeah. and one socket wrench it's like what well, the, the mechanic that you take your car to are you going to take it to that person or are you going to take it to a person that has a full kit that's that knows how to use it and i would absolutely take it to somebody that could diagnose and fix something with the correct tools yeah and it gives you the ability right i mean like you said right you're like all right, I'm looking at all the documents before they go out to the survey field, right? Out to the survey teams in the field, mm -hmm. right? And so I think when you get that cross-training experience and exposure, you're able to then become an asset to understand how things are put together. Um, for I'll use an example, right? Roads and bridges plans, right? You and I both live in a world where we have design teams who do bridges and roads, right? But if you know enough about a little bit about each when you see them in a multi-plan set then you're able to like oh this is why we do this or right. oh hey you're calling out something different than what i have on this section of the plans and you're able to articulate that in a way because you know the lens in which you look at the plans is is wider and you're able to just be able to i like to say have each other's back right mm -hmm. uh, because you're able to see things in a bigger context versus I'm just focusing on this one discipline. That's all I need to worry about. Uh, but some of the cases, I mean, that's great. But I, in my opinion, um, having that kind of exposure um, lends to just a lot of opportunity. Yeah, I cannot, um, I, I cannot explain how beneficial it was to do that for those years. Because I knew nothing, I knew cabinets. And if you, and, and I use this training method today. Uh, like, say, for instance, you take a set of points that a surveyor's measured or observed. 
of a road with a sidewalk, a curb gutter, whatever, building pad, um, and and bring it in and play the connect the dots. You know, I always say I never knew that kindergarten would be so beneficial later on in life. So you play the connect the dots game, and then your 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 reconstruction, you you should be able to clash that against a photo, and it should look and and model correctly. So going from cabinets, which I understood the three dimensions of a, uh, of a cabinet and all the, the, the inconsistent, yes, all the fun things about a cabinet, the, I, I needed that. I needed that wireframe training. And so what I do now is I, I'll take a, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm bringing somebody up from never using CAD before, never using Civil 3D before, I will take them back to that route, back to the survey points. Because what you're doing is reconstructing the real world. And then, like I said, you can clash it against what I'll picture. When you get into design, you're doing the exact opposite. You're creating the design that's gonna go out into the real world. So you should be able to model this thing the same way you that you did an, an observed point. And uh, it, it's, it's such an important skill in my mind for all levels of design in, in the infrastructure world to know how to do that. Because once you know how to, I mean, you know what, everybody knows what a curve looks like because it's part of our natural world. So translating that into, into CAD, you know, how do you get your brain used to that type of language? How do you have that discussion with a computer? Right. What's that conversation between your brain and your fingers and, and the computer look like? It's a matter of that person figuring that workflow out for themselves and get us as CAD managers, CAD professionals, giving them a pathway to success, a pathway that's geared or that's that's geared towards their learning style in ways in, the, in a way that's going to get them um, onboarded as fast as possible and efficient as fast as possible. And then also identifying where they need to go for, for, for further mentoring in the company. So yeah, it's, um, I'm rolling into your, your next question, I think. Which um, is fine. So I guess a good segue. So yeah. um, what are some of the challenges that, that you run into as a CAD manager and yes. what actions are you taking to overcome those challenges? So, um, Ego, I'll start with ego. I, I think, in fact, I'll say, I think ego is the root of most problems we're, uh, in, in the human experience. So I, I'm confident in what I know and everybody should be, but I, I, I'm not ignorant to the fact that I can always be learning. And it, when I, the, the biggest challenge is having somebody that, that knows how to do something, but is unwilling to, um, to accept or entertain a change in their thinking. So how, how, do, you, how do you navigate that? It's, that's becoming uh, a psychological talk at this point. <laughs> how, how do and and also a sales talk. How do you? So I think CAD managers are a good CAD manager is somebody that has a little bit of psychological understanding and can sell people on on change. The other thing I I see as a big as one of my biggest challenges complacency in the workforce. People are used to doing something one way. They don't want to change. We've done it this way. Why would we do it any other way? I'm sure you've heard this before. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's worked for 20 years. Why would, why would anything change? Well, you know, there's, there's, a, I, I could sit and make hours of arguments to that one. And another one is perceived value of change. So they may not, they may see that the, they may perceive that the value of changing is low 
that because what they are what what the what the workforce is seeing is the training period when the training when the learning period looks or when the learning curve looks like a brick wall to somebody because they've never done anything before of course they don't want to change of course the value seems low because they're only thinking about how much time is it going to get us to learn it and then we got to train everybody else they're not seeing what happens on the other side of that wall they're not seeing that that wall is actually a step up and when you can change that mindset you've had, you've addressed the psychological and you've sold them on the idea of getting better and it's hard it's really hard it's definitely the biggest some of the biggest challenges and it's not just the workforce it's always man it's also management and companies i was i was uh fortunate enough to be to have been brought on as a consultant to a couple of companies in the past to do their template to, to create templates from scratch and pipe catalogs from scratch you know half a dozen or so and also um, i i was brought on to investigate the city of Huntsville's engineering department, Huntsville, Texas. They were looking at migrating from MicroStation over to Civil 3D. And I'd go over there for, you know, a couple of days a week for a couple of months. And at the end of the exercise, I sat with the city engineer and I taught him and I showed him and we did projects together hand in hand. And I was, you know, on call for him. And at the end of the exercise, he just decided to hire the firm I was at instead of migrating the workforce because the perceived value there was that, the, that the, the city would save money by outsourcing to and, and, and pivoting over to a more managerial and oversight position instead of actual in-house engineering, which is what, you know, which, which makes sense. So it's it, it, it's interesting it's you start talking about things other than lines and circles in the cad management uh wheelhouse you start talking about like fees and value so no that's really yeah. good that's really good because that's one of the so one again i say this i say this a lot one that's the reason why I have this podcast. That's why I'm passionate. If you looked at my headliner on, or my headline on LinkedIn or my banner photo, it's, you know, I want to, I'm creating cat leaders, right? Because just like you said, you know, you said some great things there that I want, I want to unpack. But at the heart of it is that for us cat professionals that want to be leaders, managers, coordinators, there's no formal place for us to go learn this kind of stuff. Right. Yeah, you, you have to have a desire. You know, it's 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 business acumen, it's psychology, it's people management. You know, a lot of stuff we get we get trained on is clicks and picks. Right. right. How to set up the program, and that's the easy part because the program does exactly what we tell it to do. Um, now, oh, well, we would hope it would. Yeah, correct. But you know, for the most part, <laughs> right? If we tell it to do something, it does it. Right. But really, it's, you know, how do I get the operator to do what we want? That's a difference. That's that's a whole other podcast. Uh, but but you know what I'm sign, saying, though? So, but sign me up. Yeah. But those are good. Um, but what you said, though, is just so important that, you know, it goes beyond just how to teach some of the clicks and picks is you got to I do it's, it's every day I'm doing this is, um, you know, trying to sell people on the value of standards working together, work sharing, having templates and things like that. So Right. How do you inspire? Yeah. Right. That's really the that, that that's really a lot of this role. How do you inspire people to want to do things? How do you inspire people to want to be better in their CAD and in, in their CAD experience? And I'm really big. Like one of my biggest things that I focus on is user experience. Yep. I want all of my users to have the absolute best CAD experience that they can. Because I know what I know what that means is less errors. It means less time. It means um, 
fat, a faster product. And more importantly, it means less frustration for the user. And when you have users that, are, that aren't frustrated, then they're going to be happier, right? They're going to, they'll work a little bit longer. Not, not a big deal because the file works. The file is working, right? If you get a file that's trash and it's like, ugh, I'm done. I'll, I'll wait till Monday to mess with this thing. It's like, no, maybe if this file is working correctly and the system is working correctly, you, you, you will unlock a, like a bonus effort in the company. And that makes a buzz that just perpetuates through the company when you have yeah. a good, yeah. When you have a good network and when you have a good community. In, and, in, and to piggyback on that also is uh, when you have things that work, the end user doesn't go rogue and try to do stuff on their own. Right. Because well, that's, we, we that's know good. at the end of the day, right. They got to get things done. And right. so and if, if it's not working right, guess what? They're going to have to, they're going to figure out a workaround to make it work. It may not be the best workaround and it may not be a sanctioned workaround, mm -hmm. but when you don't have things that work, that's what happens. We, that's a reality. Right? Yeah. We just, I'm, we glad, I'm so glad that we're pretty much over people exploding things twice. Uh, hope, hope and, and, uh, it still happens. Right? It, it still happens. <laughs> I mean, I'll do it. I'll even do it sometimes. But it's, uh, it's going to be a yeah. hard, hard fought question in my mind to explode that thing. Yeah. All right. So, what is one thing you wish you knew early that you knew earlier in your career that you know now? Well, I think I touched on some of that. Is that basically don't rely on what? Don't rely on one product, keep learning, keep building up your toolbox. But I also say that don't rely on one software company. Mm -hmm. So that there's offering. So of course the, the elephant in the room is Autodesk, but you cannot overlook offerings from MicroStation. You cannot overlook offerings from small shops like beyond typicals, yep. you cannot overlook these little niche things that, that can really make amazing things happen. Um, if you're, if you're gonna, I'll, I'll pick on Apple a little bit. No, no offense. I got Apple products, but if you're going to pick, if you're going to buy into the Apple ecosystem fully, you're in that walled garden that they've cultivated and, and it's pretty, but and you, there's a lot of functionality, but also there's things that you can't do. And you have to pick and choose where you're gonna get your solutions from. You should be looking at every software solution with extreme prejudice. You should be looking at every file sharing solution with extreme prejudice. The same type of prejudice that you look at or that you should be looking at files when they come into your company from an outside source. You know, there, if, if, if we didn't have virus scanners or if we didn't have firewalls, the, the, the conversations we'd be having over things like that it would be, it's crazy. I mean, the, the IT security sector is, is very well funded for, for obvious reasons. So why not fund or at least give the same type of, of, of passion towards <clears throat> towards CAD stuff. I mean, these are all challenges we've been talking about. And sometimes, sometimes a paradigm shift is needed in order for, for users or companies to take a hard look. Sometimes an exercise in, in have and have not is needed for the users or the, or the company to, to take those hard looks that, that create those shifts. And it's a not, it's, you know, growth is never easy, but it's always better than standing still because you're going to get run over if you stand still. So like if you're learning AutoCAD, I would encourage you to also learn Revit. If you're learning MicroStation, I would encourage you to learn AutoCAD. Like these are like natural companion products learn the competitor when you're starting off try to get student if, you, if you're a student 
get student versions of everything you can get a hold of that are just the same type of thing. Get MicroStation, get AutoCAD. Learn them both. Get SolidWorks, get, you know, whatever you want. Learn SketchUp. Learn 3ds Max. You know, the, the Photoshop, GIMP, whatever you're going to do, OpenOffice or LibreOffice, sorry, and, and, and Microsoft Office, you know, Linux and, and all of these similar products are going to give you better tools because you're going to be able to, to see through what is the most obvious choice. Yeah, sometimes, though, the challenge is, obviously, there's multiple challenges to all of this. But one of the big things I know for sure is we have to align our technologies with the what the requirements of our clients. For mm -hmm. instance, it'd be really hard for you to be, even though people do it, the big shift is like, you know, we're doing DOT work and all you do is it, is all you, but you do it in Revit and, that's an example, you do it in Revit and AutoCAD. Well, you're not compatible <laughs> with right. the requirements because they're requiring you know, MicroStation, ORD, right. and other things. However, what I do like that, again, what you said spot on, right? Tinker, because as a CAD professional, if you know one, to learn the other one is a, as much as everybody complains about it, it's really not that much harder because you already know the fundamentals of drawing a line, right. circles, and so forth, right? And what happens is, for me, I'm a big proponent. I'm, I'm dual platform. I could do Bentley and Autodesk products. But that was by design because I was also trying to make myself a more valuable asset to my company. So exactly. If there's ever a lull within any kind of work that's microstation, well, guess what? I know how to do AutoCAD and other things. So I can jump onto those platforms as well and serve those clients at a high level. So, and again, that's what I love about CAD is mm -hmm. it's just, I don't know, man. It's just, it's an amazing industry to be in and the, the depth and the width that it that if you leverage it correctly can bring all sorts of opportunities. Um, anyway, and I'll say I don't think you need to get proficient in these other <clears throat> technologies. Like if you're doing AutoCAD and Civil 3D, you should, and you work with architects, you should know Revit enough to get in to their model and export it. You okay. should know how to pull a Revit model into CAD. You should also know what shared coordinates are and how to correctly apply those things. That, right. At the bare minimum. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so the next question, what would you consider to be your CAD management superpower? Well, I, I hope I've been clear up to this point, but I, I honestly think that my superpower, if I could be so humble, is, to, is that I have a strategic vision of the workforce and software as a cohesive entity. It's like creating this symbiotic relationship between the, the workforce and the software that they're using, whatever it is, Bluebeam, Office, it doesn't matter. It's like re reducing the amount of effort that a user needs with a strategic implementation of workflows and automation, it, it's, it's what I do. I mean, it's my jam, right? Yeah. <laughs> I have a similar, I have a similar jam in that um, I, I also look for ways to minimize the friction to use anything, mm -hmm. because if you can minimize that at, at all costs, um, then that's where efficiencies, um, that's where you streamline things. They go through the roof productivity right because you're making it easy like you said i think I, this is what i love about interviewing folks because i get to meet people who are truly like-minded because you and i are, are also just thinking the big picture of you know those relationships between those and creating a user experience that promotes the good behaviors that truly make production you know run like an, a well-oiled machine so right Right. And, and and again, and some of that goes back to the salesmanship. Yeah. Being yeah. able to, uh, to, to identify objections, the friction in the system, the friction to why people are using multi-leaders instead of annotating a surface correctly. Yeah. Like why are you typing elevations out? This is mind numbing and it's 
elevating my blood pressure. <laughs> but Daniel, I can do it so much quicker than doing the label style. And we don't have any fee in this project. <laughs> so we don't need a surface. <laughs> yeah, I've heard them all. I know. I just say it likewise. <laughs> that's why <laughs> I say things like that, because I think it's a challenge. Mm -hmm. uh, but none, nonetheless, right? I mean, that's what, again, that's why I think if you're a CAD man, if you are do any kind of CAD bin management, mm -hmm. there should never be a boring day at the office because there's, you know, there's obviously the technology challenges and things to be done, but there's also the managing of the people that use those and how do you get, like you said, right? How do we get them to want to use it and mm -hmm. selling them on the benefits? So um, I think I also am good at identifying mentorship opportunities. Like I was saying before, train somebody up to a point, then turn them loose in the company and, and assign, you know, other people that you've trained to be their mentor. So they're going to go to those people first. So that creates a relationship between those team members, but also it, it, when you're able to teach something, that means you know it, right? right. So then the, it, it's a natural process to, because you can't just keep coming back to me for all the answers. I'm not doing you a service. I'm not doing the company a service by always, I mean, I don't mind, but you're the I bottleneck. Want, I want, yeah, I want to have uh, open communication. I want to foster open communication between team members. Um, yeah, I want to create leaders, yep. right? I want to be a leader that creates leaders. That's that, you know, I've heard leaders create leaders, managers create followers. It's like, well, okay, there's a certain amount of management needs to happen. But when it comes to the end, I want you to be able to teach somebody else. I want you to be able to lead somebody else. I want them to be able to lead the next, the next round of people. That was another thing I was able to, to learn a lot back in College Station. Since it's a college town, Texas A&M, um, there was a lot of turnover with interns. So every semester we would get a round of a crop of new interns. So I had to get them spun up in a week. Like, I mean, fully trained and they're not really get teaching civil 3d and engineering school. And, and it is what it is, but getting somebody from, from zero to 60 in a week on, in civil 3d and having them be, uh, having, having trust in them to be in your file structure mm -hmm. and not do something stupid, you know, but then fostering those mentorship opportunities within, it's huge. Yeah, for sure. And again, um, yeah, you and I have the same simple heart. Again, on my LinkedIn banner photo, it mm -hmm. says creating CAD leaders, right? Because, you know, I, and also my profile, I talk about this, this Gandhi quote that says, you know, it does it, it's not the amount of followers you have, it's the amount of leaders you create. Yeah. Right? And so I would be, I just have a heart of leaving a legacy that I helped others be better. And so, um, so with that, what are one or two CAD commandments that you live by or work by without fail? So to take a little pressure off of the day-to-day -day mentorship, I want to automate as much of the company standards as possible automation is easier than training it always will be if you create a uh, an environment with things in place that are easy to get to like we were saying then they're going to use them um, and then also find a learning and a or teaching opportunities in absolutely everything Either you're learning or you're teaching in everything you do. Bring somebody in. If you're doing something, I, I, I host, uh, uh, instead of a lunch and learn, it's a lunch and learn. And open up, I just have an open meeting available to people. It started over COVID, which is you know really beneficial. And people can hop in at any time. They're in the, the it's basically the office hours. And either I'll be working on something and we'll just, they just or watch me work remotely and, and I'll talk through the process or they have a, a challenge that we need, that we can hop on and work through their process and everybody else can, can, can learn and just huddle.
Yeah, that's really nice, man. Yeah, I mean, yeah, automation is so big. Uh, just to help us, you know, some of that low-hanging fruit. And, of course, training training others. Because that's the end of the day, it's if they don't know how to use it, then, mm -hmm. you know, you can have the best stuff. But if people don't know how to use it, um, right. China, just, there's no benefit to it then because <laughs> it's not being used. It's not that, being you know. used. And the other thing is if you can't find it, if you can't find what you're looking for, you, it's not going to be used. That's I wrote an article in Nagi for February about, a call, it's basically a call to action about tool pallets and and why you need to network one in your company right now. Yeah. And I'm, I'm real passionate about tool pallets. They're, they're an underutilized opportunity in almost any company. And if you're not, if you're not, using it as a shared resource, a shared platform for your details, for your blocks, for standards, for, you can put so much in a tool palette. It's, it's kind of ridiculous. I, I really wish there was a tool palette tool. So, you know, if anybody, anybody out there listening is an XML expert, just hit me up. I got some ideas. Um, but it, it, getting, getting that automation, getting that I go back to the mechanics toolbox, getting that available to all your, your workforce and keeping those things organized. It, it It's easier than training. It's easier than, I mean, they're still training. Yeah. But it makes that training a lot easier. What trait do you think someone needs, um, someone needs to have to be a great CAD manager? I mean, it, it's the Gandhi quote, you know, and, and leaders. Um, I, I know that a benevolent leader can literally move mountains. If you have to have that compassion, you have to have, I'm going to go back to the psychological, the salesmanship, the ownership. You know, this is, this is your team. You're not, these are your people. You're, you're, if you look at it from a, a, a production standpoint, the CAD workforce creates plans. And you, your product is users. When you create good users, they create good plans. And when those two things work together, then they're happy, you're happy, Maybe you make a little bit of money. Everybody goes home, <laughs> and and the world keeps spinning. Yeah, well said. Um, what current trend or technology are you the most excited about? Oh boy, oh boy. Um, so I've been feeling this way for almost a decade now. And I love Civil 3D. I love what it's been able to accomplish, but I'm curious about what replaces it. I feel like, and again, I'm not knocking Autodesk or anything, but I don't feel like there's been a lot of innovation in the past couple of years. I want a more, I want a product that is designed for infrastructure that is more like Revit. InfraWorks is close, but it doesn't do plan production in a meaningful way or at all. So, how do we get a and it, and how how do we get a central model style environment for infrastructure? How do we get you know? Okay, let's talk about let's not even talk about something that's sixty four bit compatible, but whatever. <laughs> um, but how do we get something? You know, it's like Web two point What's where, where we introduced glassy icons and a, and a more friendly user interface that was more responsive and stuff like that. And then you go web 3.0 where everything's mobile compatible and stuff like that. It's like, how do we get to that point in infrastructure? How do we become more object-based design, more criteria-based design? There was a pro there's a product called SiteOps that uh, Bentley acquired a couple of years ago. I absolutely love site ops. I love it. I love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. It's the best thing since sliced bread. And it's the, because it has generative design. You can draw a parking lot 
you could just draw a square, tell it it's a parking lot, it'll make striping based on the criteria. And then you can draw another square, tell it it's a building, drag that square, the building square in, rotate it, move it around and the parking lot will in, envelop it as if it were a white blood cell attacking a virus. It will completely change its shape. It's and, and maintaining the criteria of the design and, and just spin and it's so fast. And it's like, I want something like that. And, you know, I, I, you know, I'm Autodesk for forever now, but I want something like that. So I, so I see civil 3d kind of needing to be sunset in order to move on. So that's, that's, what's really excited. I also really love the drone and reality capture options that are out there. So I'm excited. And <clears throat> I was there kind of at the beginning of it, of the drone era in in construction. And so I'm really excited to see what like the next iteration of that type of reality capture. I mean, we have computers that are that process quicker, that 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 handle these large data sets better and I'm just, I'm real curious to see what, what's going to happen with that. I love the idea of going in and scanning a building inside and out, doing your, your aerial surveying, and then combining all these assets together into a three-dimensional model that the structural team can take and run with to do the addition of the building and the civil team can take and run with to do the, uh, the site development. And you know, that, in my mind, that, that point cloud, that three-dimensional model of the entire site existing conditions is something that needs to live alone. And you can attach or design off of it at, 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 on a whim. I should just be able to be like, okay, I wanna draw something here. It should be just as easy as pulling up Google Earth and drawing a polygon that drapes, except in design and something that produces uh, production sheets. The other thing that's interesting is what does a production sheet look like in the future? You know, paper's gone for, for all intents and purposes. So, but we're still on this interesting little echo of paper. We're still, we're, we're still using paper analogs PDFs to, to, to translate information. So when you start talking about a fully digital, um, a fully digital submittal, but also a fully digital construction environment, you know, we'll say iPads for lack of better technology because you know, what's gonna come in the future? The, you know, you, you could see automated machinery, which, you know, is pretty close controlled by iPads, they're assigned tasks and they go out, the grader goes out and cuts it and checks and another thing comes back behind it or the drone goes up and checks the, the grader for the, for the, to make sure that every, that's, that's all good. So yeah, the next, the next decade's going to be really, I, I feel like we're on the precipice of change. There's so much out there right now. There's so much that's been built up over the past decade. What's the next decade look like? That's what's got me really excited. And how do I pivot myself to make myself as valuable as I can for that decade? Yeah, that's really good, man. <clears throat> if I had a little clapping sound, I would do that right now. <laughs> uh, or the crowd going crazy. But yes, on all those things, yes, yes, and yes. And so... Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's your passions is, is similar to my passions. It's like, what can I do wherever firm I'm at? What can I do today to ensure that myself and the firm that I work for is relevant two, three, five years and beyond? Right. right. Because nobody wants to be, I mean, some companies can, if you're big enough, you can be bleeding edge, um, you know, but nobody wants to bleed all over themselves. And they, for the say most pioneers, part, they say pioneers get slaughtered. 
Yeah. And so, but we want to be right behind them. <laughs> right. It seems like that's where most companies are okay at being at. But just like you said, I agree that um, that's what makes me excited. It's a couple of things I'll share about what I, what I'm excited mm-hmm. about, but is the whole digital project delivery, right? What does that mean? Right. There's that eventually we're going to have to get, just like you said, the plan set is going to go away. So what does that mean? Especially with machine, with, you know, machine grade automation, um, you know, and things like that. And so, but then at the same time though, comes, you know, in a traditional sense of a PDF or a traditional plan set, right? Which we're used to engineers or PLS is stamping them and signing them. What is the future deliverables? How do we, how do we sign those? (laughs) You know, that's, it's, it's blockchain. Yeah. It's yeah, gotta think, be. yeah, you know what I'm saying though? I mean, it's, yeah. so that's where one, one of my mentors, I agree. I think there's something to that, right? So there's one thing that one of my mentors, I've, I've always been mentored early on in my career was in order to, and I'm really big on challenging the status quo, right? Um, and so it's like, okay, so how can we disrupt what we're doing? To get influence is look outside of your current industry and see what kind of technologies, what kind of means and methods can we introduce that makes sense, that helps us evolve and progress our current state of our current industry, right? And so, and I just made a post, you know, for those of you who follow Matthew Bird on um, LinkedIn, you know, Mr. Re- you know, Reality Capture Network guy, um, yeah, great dude, trying to do a lot of stuff out there. Um, you know, did a post about something and I, and I, I commented back, you know, about the state of technology. I go, it is, we live in an amazing point in time right now with all these new technologies being introduced, um, you know, and I know we, I know it's crazy stuff going around, going around the world in, in our backyards and around the world. But same time though, um, if we sleep on some of this technology stuff, we're going to be left behind <laughs> fast. And so it just makes me excited, you know, to be a part of, to be living in this point of time and to be considered a leader in this point of time, because we're going to be able to definitely see some incredible technologies introduce and revolutionize the way that we do some of our, our business today. Um, I mean, you can integrate I mean, think of the stuff that's already out there right now, like Trimble's, uh, Trimble's site vision, the, a, the augmented reality for, uh, for construction. Yeah. That's insane. A geolocated iPad that, that you can look at and, and, and see what's happening in real time on, on site. You know, yeah. that should be, that, that's going to be in everybody, every, um, construction manager's hands every in, pickup every pickup every that's single, out there that's on the construction site should every have grader every <laughs> i mean everything and, yeah. and there's no reason why it shouldn't really in the in the short future if we're delivering accurate digital models with okay that that's another podcast to, it, anyway. it is <laughs> if we're it if is. we're creating and delivering accurate digital models that are bim fully bim compliant fully able to clash against other disciplines and Navisworks or whatever, you know, flavor of, of clash detection software you want to use, then there's no reason that augmented reality uh, isn't going to be in the job site in less than a decade. There's absolutely no reason. And then also, um, you know, the, also the real time site verification where you walking around with a thing on your hat and your helmet. Yeah. And you're getting daily uploads of sites and for verification. It's like yeah. you just mount that thing on a on on a on a AT, on yeah on a hard hat or on a quad and you know or your construction vehicle. Yep. And as you do a site, you just whatever that's your yeah. daily thing, and you're getting on alert. Boop 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 boop. Uh oh, something's that bolt yeah. is in the right place. <laughs> yeah, for but sure. That, that storm drain is an inch too high. 
right? There's some, there's things that can be garnered in the, in, yeah. in, in what the data we have already. So yeah, I'm excited about what it's going to look like. Yeah, likewise. Well, because of time and respecting it, I'm going to skip the next one because I think we've already answered that was the thoughts of the future, Kat. I think you've done a well, good job of articulating that based off of current technologies that you're excited about. So as we wrap up, um, where can the CAD Manager Confessions audience <clears throat> follow you on your journey? Well, I mean, I'll put my email out there. It's uh, drlench at gmail.com. That's Delta Romeo Lima Echo November Charlie Hotel at gmail.com. The Autodesk Voices blog, which again, I'm so um, grateful for Todd to uh, encourage me to join. And also I'll give a shout out to Sean Hurley. Yep, Sean. for 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 bringing us in love that guy too uh you can find me on linkedin if you can spell my last name right <laughs> <laughs> and um and i i will offer uh i will offer an ear to anybody because like like this podcast and the ones you've done before eric and, and your passion and like we discussed there's no way and we're going to get through this without going, without leaning on each other. For sure. Well, it's, it takes a network, right? And so, mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, well, thank you for that. Um, be before we say goodbye, uh, any parting advice or thoughts to the CAD management community? Yeah. I, I want to encourage people to go down the rabbit hole um, of technology and information, but go down that hole with, with open eyes. Go down at respecting your billable target. Don't get in trouble with management or do it on your own time. The worst thing you can do is, is have all these ideas and all this change and you're not meeting your billable targets because that creates um, an opportunity for them to question. So you have to be careful. Uh, you also should know your value in the company. Like what's your fee? What's it? What's your what's your time worth to the company? That's something that a lot of people overlook. They don't understand what you know. What my time? What my hour? I get paid X amount of dollars, but what my hour brings into the company? So when you understand that, when you help others understand that, there's more ownership. Um, I'll, I'll reiterate that the only way that a community that a community prospers is for active participation in it. Um, yeah, so the, these strong connections are absolutely necessary in order to keep this moving forward. And, and I'll leave you with the ask hard questions and keep asking them until you find someone that can answer them and then become best friends with that person. <laughs> thank you so much for having me, Eric. I really appreciate this. Well, thank you, Daniel, for being a part of the podcast. And for those of you listening to this podcast, thank you for pressing play. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you found the things we talked about today valuable, I would be honored if you would subscribe and or leave a review. Until next time, continue to challenge the status quo, be the leader you wish you had, don't be afraid to step into your greatness, and good luck in your pursuit for the perfect set of plans.